Do You Like Scary Movies is produced on the stolen land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, where the University of Melbourne resides. We pay our respects to elders past and emerging. Uh, sovereignty has never been ceded. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Why is Jason? They sent him into space, for God's sake. Coward, you're avoiding the question. To be honest, I don't really want to be around any of them. Whatever. Um... <laughs> Hello there, and welcome to like Do You Like that Scary Movies? rendition more. <laughs> okay, I'm just keeping this shit in. Hello, you're welcome. What you're watching Do You Like Scary Movies on Radio Pod. Other shows all about cult and classic horror, spooky movies. And John just messed me up on my intro. Fuck you. <laughs> I apologize. I assumed what? we could edit it. <laughs> Fuck that, I'm keeping this shit in. I'm your host, Walkie, <laughs> and with me I have the gutter snipe of a best friend, John. John, how you doing? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty yes. good at the moment. Good start to an episode. Yes. Well, five episodes in, we're clearly, you know, just doing poorly. So this is the downhill point. How are you doing? Five episodes. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that. I think that's an achievement in itself. Yeah, I think in my last show, uh, do you, um, it's not, I was about to say, do you like coffee? This, that's not, that wasn't my old show. My old show was Coffee Breaks. And my at this point in coffee breaks, I was very exhausted just trying to find people who wanted to come on the show, you know, which is, I guess, half the point of a show that is interviewing people. Like, that is the shtick. You need to find people. That is the part. But, like, finding people is so difficult. It's really hard. I think we encountered the reason why, um, why movie podcasts are way more popular, just because movies are pretty easy to find. People who are yeah. willing to sit down and do an interview, a bit harder. Yeah, every movie is like, um, what's that? I that line in Inkar, every book wants to be open, every movie wants to be watched. Uh, okay. I never read or watched Inkar, and I honestly thought you said In Cars for a second. I'm like, oh, no, that's just like, me mumbling. That in Cars? I am no, a no, 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 goddamn radio <laughs> I'm a goddamn radio host. I speak mumbles. It draws um, people in, you know, it's quiet talking. Yeah, quiet talking. Actually, um, uh, Andre de Shields does a show um, on uh, sex, death, and money, the podcast. And he just, the way he talks is like, he takes some moments and stretches them out to the nth degree. And it works. But that is not what we're doing because we're talking about movies. No, and we've got stuff to do. So, John. We do. Can you tell us what? our movie of the week is uh we're going to one of the sort of grandparents of the uh sort of modern horror genre uh mm -hmm. better or worse we're doing the original friday the 13th wow groovy uh so why did you choose this one well friday the 13th is sort of an encapsulation of like a lot of the core uh tropes and sort of big kind of temple ideas of like especially the slasher genre but horror in general like if mm -hmm. you think of generic horror nine times out of ten you're gonna go to camps in the woods uh 
psychotic murderers with hockey masks. A lot of the sort of groundwork for what kind of became the uh, horror genre was like set up with the series. And the same same can be set up like Halloween with uh, sort of the actual slasher genre itself and like how it kind of cemented a lot of the tropes from earlier films that explored those ideas a bit earlier. Um, and also, you know, kind of psycho as well, I guess, to an extent. Like you have like, it's just mm-hmm. sort of the, the next big step in sort of the... Uh, slasher genre and it kind of embodies a lot of the uh schlockier tropes of uh of horror so it's an interesting film to watch mm-hmm. from that yeah i agree it was definitely an interesting film to watch particularly just in the lexicon of movies that we you were presenting to me like it, watching this um, movie after the ones we have seen we'll talk about it later but it feels a weirdly disconnected which is weird because it is, you know, a like predecessor and like what a movie that a lot of the other movies that we've watched um, reference or relate to well, or are connected to. Well, that's exactly it. A lot of the films that we've watched are kind of responding to um, stuff that Friday the Thirteenth kind of began to like explore or kind of cement as like elements of the genre, like. Mm-hmm. Scream and Fear Street are both sort of departures from that formula, so you kind of have to understand this film to be able to see what they're rejecting and what they're moving away from. I, th- I think is a-, a way of understanding it. But even then, like this mm-hmm. film is kind of an aberration as far as like the series goes because it's very different to everything that will come after. Agree. Yeah, it was an interesting experience. Yeah, so not what you expect. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on to the facts and stats. John, can you give us the facts and stats? A group of camp counselors attempt to reopen Crystal Lake, a summer camp with a grim past. Locals warn against it, but the counselors ignore their superstitions. However, the group finds themselves stalked by a brutal killer. Will they survive the shooting, stabbing, and slashing? Because, get it? A slasher? Yes, yes. that's where the word comes from. <laughs> I, wrote the, I wrote these stats late at night, I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't worry, I've got some terrible ones coming up soon. Um, oh yay <laughs> uh, it was released in 1980 it was directed by Sean S. Cunningham who I'm pretty sure would be involved throughout like most of the films uh, his name keeps Ooh. popping up um, mm-hmm. I don't know much about him beyond that though um, mm-hmm. other notable actors include Betsy Palmer who I think tried to distance herself from uh, that character a fair bit after this film came out which from what I understand mm-hmm. she's a pretty famous and renowned actor so I don't totally blame her <laughs> Uh, Walt Gorney, who I've never heard of. Uh, Rob Morgan. Then uh, the main cast include Jack, played by Kevin Bacon. Yes, that Kevin Bacon. He also appeared in Tremors, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. So, uh, yeah, he's been in some bad films. Um, Alice, played by Adrian King. Bill, played by a big... It's not Bing Crosby, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. no. <laughs> that, that, was, that was a landmine. It's Harry yeah. Crosby. Harry Crosby, okay. Uh, yeah. Maurice, or Marcy, sorry, Marcy, played by uh, Jeannie Taylor, and Ned, who, another atrocious character in horror, uh, played by Mark Nelson. If I'm remembering right, I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure it's Ned. Most of these special effects, uh, or fun facts, most of the special effects were baked in the camp's kitchen. Tom Savini and assistant Tasso Stavakis, Stavrakis? Stavrakis, yeah. I think, uh, actually ended up using the camp to finalize the special uh, makeup effects. Many of the latex prosthetics used to create the film's kind of gruesome murders were baked in the pizza ovens at the camps uh, at the camp when the movie was filmed. 
I did not know that. That's the, the effects in this film are one of the great things about it, to be honest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jason was originally written as a normal guy in the original script by Victor by Victor Miller. Uh, the character was a kid who accidentally drowned in the lake. Uh, the film's financier Philip Scuderi wanted something more, so he brought in a screenwriter Ron Curse, like all big dick swinging uh, producers. Thanks, Lucky. Uh, one of his most important <laughs> Sorry. contributions. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, one of his most important contributions was transforming the tragic boy into a deformed child at the final film, which is uh, a big oof. Like, that's a uh, fan of the opera levels of oof right there. Yeah, not sure. Mm -hmm. I don't really love that how that element of the film. I think that was not handled great on any level. Uh, the sequel kind of messes with the mythology of the Jason character. Uh, so, yeah, this is where I get to show off my 13th knowledge, which is just the best mm -hmm. thing to have. Uh, so Jason starts <laughs> off as a dead child, then it, and spoilers for the franchise, uh, then it's revealed he's actually alive and living in the forest. Tommy Jarvis, played by Corey Feldman, kills him in part four, but accidentally resurrects him two films later. In the interim, it was a paramedic whose son had been murdered who decided to pretend to be Jason, traumatizing uh, Tommy Jarvis again, who's now played by a different actor. Uh, so Jason is now a Frankenstein-esque zombie, that goes on to fight a psychic teen girl, much like Carrie. Uh, in Jason Goes to Hell, it's revealed he's actually some sort of demon parasite that, we can, that can be passed from person to person, so he can infect you and make himself take over your body. Uh, and then he goes into space and becomes a cyborg, which is after he had killed Freddy Krueger and been killed by Freddy Krueger in the same film. Uh, he may also have links to the Evil Dead franchise. Honestly, I have no questions. <laughs> yeah, um, any <laughs> no questions? It's gonna raise more questions at this point, to be honest. They, oh, he's also a mutant that was uh, in New York City for like two seconds in a film where he was meant. The whole premise of the film was that he goes to New York, and he's like there for okay. I think, ten minutes, maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of sequels, only three films in the franchise are actually set on Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but I just get such a delight from that fact. It's oh, like the uh... timeline is incredible. Apparently, uh, the film that like a film that was made, I think, in eighty nine or ninety, was meant to be set in like two thousand five. If you do the timeline correctly, it's like there's been that many time jumps that it would have to be two thousand five, and everyone's still dressed like it's the late eighties. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they did not pay attention to this film. Um. And MTV gave Jason a Lifetime Achievement Award, which, given the amount of films and just media he's been in, I guess it's well-deserved. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to stop us there. Because <laughs> we're just going to keep rambling on. You, you've been listening to Do You Like Scary Movies on Radio Fodder. We're about to dive into our discussion of Friday the 13th. I'm going to leave you with Bloodstains by Agent Orange.
and we're back. You're, you're listening to Do You Like Scary Movies on Radio Fodder. Time to... Damn it, it says Scream again. It's We're going to talk about Friday the 13th. My notes are fucked. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so John, what were your first impressions after what I assume is re-watching it for um, this film? Um, this is going to be a weird one, but the first impressions I had were... Man, The Simpsons made a lot of references to the early Friday the 13th franchise. Whoa! Like, that entire uh, opening scene, uh, they, I think they parody, like, beat for beat in um, one of the episodes. I forget, it's been years since I've watched an episode of The Simpsons, but, like, I just remember that there's a scene that mirrors a lot of that very, very accurate, uh, like, very sort of, like, similar, so. Yeah. I'd, I don't know why I've got such a huge reaction to that, but, like, I used to watch Simpsons religiously, and the fact that I missed, that I finally missed all the references that I did not get as as a child, that that upsets me. That that like a little part of me just died, Ooh. just a tiny bit. I mean, that's just an excuse to go back and watch some of the early seasons and see what you've uh, what you missed when you were a kid. True, true, true. Um, my first impressions was that this was a goddamn fever dream of a film. Really? Which is, <laughs> I, I'm. Maybe I'm. I just had a bit more of an adverse reaction than other people, but just watching it, I kept thinking, "This is weird." Like we've 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 currently watched weird horror movies. I think this one is the weirdest, and I'm not sure why. I'm not sure yet. I mean, given that we watched Midsummer, I'm I'm honestly a little bit surprised by that. <laughs> I, I mean, oh, no, no, no. yeah, sorry. No, 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 go go on. Well, like not a favorite dream in like um plot or um filmic wise i mean like fever dream in terms of directorial um uh decisions uh okay and, okay yeah i can see it, yeah yeah i don't know i think my interpretation of fever dream is different to everyone else's which is you know it, it, that makes sense but like the way i phrase it is um okay the decision to have the camera as the killer the decision to have the characters characterized that way the decision to have jason at the end like these are all things that fucked with me a little bit mm -hmm. and i i have thoughts but not nothing coherent which no, is sad because i watched this last wednesday i uh, yeah no i get that i, I was yeah I was struck that it, they made it a whodunit. Like, that's that was an odd decision to my mind. But, like, it's just mm -hmm. something that they don't really keep except for, like, one other film. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, that was, a, that was a thing that kind of struck me as a weird directorial choice. Is that a thing in first movies of a franchise that the first one is always a whodunit? Oh, no, not at all. Like, mm -hmm. Scream did it, but I think... I honestly don't know why Scream did it. I, I mean, it didn't ruin the film, but it didn't really add much either. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I think it was a good way to structure that story, but... Um, yeah. No, but like Halloween, uh, Black Christmas, like all these sort of very early slashes, but you kind of... You, didn't, you even didn't know who the killer was at all, and it was sort of never revealed. Or you knew exactly who they were, and their motivation was kind of like what sort of made them enigmatic. Mm -hmm. Whereas this one, they just kind of went the opposite route and made it 
the identity of the killer that was sort of what was driving the story. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. So what was your, do you have a favorite scene out of this film? I don't think there's a film that, like, I don't think it's like a film that has like a scene that really stands out to me. Um, I guess just purely from like a practical, like what you can achieve with a relatively low budget and some creative people the scene where Kevin Bacon's character gets murdered, I was impressed by that in that I thought it was I thought it worked well um as like a sort of a special set of special effects and kind of props. And I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. But like yeah, aside from that, like not a lot of this film sticks with me after watching it. Yeah, I think that I mean that scene has also stuck with me, but for the opposite reason, because actually it was like, um, it caught me off guard. I didn't expect it mm. to happen that way. And I was very much surprised. Well, that's an interesting, I think that's because like, this is like, I think one of the first films that Kevin Bacon was in. So he wasn't like the big Ooh. star that we know him, we know him as. So he's just like a random teen getting murdered in a horror film at that point. <clears throat> interesting. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. I, I might be wrong. Um, but I don't think he'd been in anything big before this. We'll fact check that or not. I'm not a Kevin um, Bacon um, scholar, so I'm, I'm not an expert here. <laughs> Shame on you, John. Shame on you. That, like is, him stuff. that, that is a missed opportunity. <laughs> he's, he's, he's I mean, I don't know anything about him. I just, I just like him in like the couple films I've seen him in. Any weird scenes that stood out to you? Surely there's a few. There's a few, yeah. Um... Jason coming out of the lake at the end is pretty big. The group mm-hmm. of counselors playing strip Monopoly, I thought was just a bizarre concept. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's. I think those are the two that are like really struck me as what. What were you guys thinking exactly? Mm-hmm. Or at least were the ones that kind of like stuck with me. Yeah, mine. Yeah, it was the strip Monopoly. Like, <laughs> oh wait a minute. Is that what Friends is referencing when they do like, oh, we're going to play strip Abbey Days? It's a reference to this, and they're oh wait, no, they're not at camp; they're at a beach house. Damn it! The perks of living in a post two thousand world. There are just references to all kinds of shit that I will never understand. Woo, woo! I mean, Friends, I... Simpsons, never going to understand it. I mean, Simpsons at least made sense because they were kind of con- contemporaries. Like, they were both being made at the same time. Friends, I feel like, would not be referencing the first Friday the 13th. I, I refuse mm-hmm. to believe that that's something that they would want to do. <laughs> How about you? Yeah. Any particular weird scenes outside of those two? Yes. Um, honestly, it was the first time we see who the killer is. I thought, um, where well, it's, uh, I, I forgot the act. Um, Betsy Palmer, right? Mm. Yeah, I thought, oh, wow, I did not expect that. That is cool, and it's cool seeing them. But it also felt weird, because it felt ugh, like introducing a villain at the, th- um, at the third act who, uh, until this moment, had no emotional or physical connection to this the screenplay and the show and, and just seeing her like what who are you what the fuck 
Who are you? You kind of yeah. you kind of like hit it hit the nail on the head right there. Like that's I think the mm-hmm. big flaw with this film, which it, it's that it doesn't really have like a villain that you can sort of connect to in any way to like feel sort of that mm-hmm. fear. Like Psycho, it, it's sort of doing something similar to Psycho, but mm-hmm. Psycho was at least made by like was made with sort of an awareness of that and was more of a suspense film and not trying to be a straight-up horror film. Or, I mean, yeah. the genre gets weird, but, like, it was built around suspense, not kind of shock and horror. And Yeah, and I think, yeah. No, no, I was just going to say, like, I feel like you need to have that villain there. And it's weird because, again, we'd had, like, a few films where they had foregrounded those villains in a way that had worked really well, and now they took an opposite route here, and, yeah. And that's not to, that's not any shade to Betsy Palmer. Betsy Palmer is good in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My my take on it was that if like, it just felt really incongruent that I almost thought, um, yeah, Jason is totally alive. Like by the end of the film, I was thinking, okay, the villain that they've proposed in this film does not make sense. It's been the mother and jason this whole time jason is totally alive he's living in the swamp and coming out and then it's just the mother who shows up who takes the blame that is like my current theory like my current crackpot theory of this film and no one can change my opinion on it (laughs) how do you explain that jason's a 30 year old man in the next film um we'll have to talk about that later because we have to take a quick break (laughs) You've been listening to Do You Like Scary Movies on Radio Fodder. I'm going to leave you with Cat and Mouse by Radke. Coward, you're avoiding the question.
listening to Do You Like Scary Movies on Radio Fodder. Time to dive deeper into our Friday the 13th discussion. John, are camps actually just places of abject horror? I'm going to say yes. I don't think that's actually mm-hmm. true, but given that my memories of like school camps were getting like soaked socks and having like back pain from carrying around packs because of yeah leg issues yeah no i'm 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 not a fan of camps and yes i think they're Mm -hmm. places of abject horror that attract only the worst people and no one can tell me i'm wrong my camps from year seven to year nine also included leeches so oh there's the horror element right there yeah but like the kind of it makes it makes sense for like a as a horror movie setting in, in so many ways like you're removed from society you're in a a place that's like sort of a liminal space between suburbia with like you know a bunch of kind of teenagers and young adults and kids all kind of coming in from the suburbs to be sort of on the outskirts of the woods it's sort of like a weird liminal space where you get the in kind of incursion of humanity of like civilization in kind of a primal forest space mm-hmm yeah, it's liminal, but it's also claustrophobic because mm. uh, the weird thing is like, you know, it's open, it's in nature, but you're also surrounded by a handful of people the whole damn time. It's like, you know, they're always encroaching on you. They're always, um, you know, the, this, the little space that uh, exists in camps is very tiny. So like, you know, there's always like, you're always in, you're always in each other's space. Which is, I guess, why um, Midsummer, um, Fear Street, the second Fear Street movie, are all like doubly, oh, uh, they, they have that extra added horror. Yeah, I, I think it's, I don't know, I, I feel like there's a reason why it has been like such a consistent horror location. Like, it's subtle enough that it doesn't feel like overbearing with like how obvious that sort of how obviously creepy it's meant to be. Like say an abandoned um hospital or a graveyard or something it's like those are just two on the nose but it still has like that kind of natural dread that you can play with by like just making use of like the sort of natural elements of the setting agree yeah um what were your thoughts on the effects in the movie I like old 80s effects. I, I know they don't always look great, and a lot of times they look downright awful, but I think there's, like, a charm to them. Like, mm-hmm. these are people who are working with, like, relatively small budgets and just trying to be as creative as possible. It doesn't look very slick, but I think that actually adds to it a lot of the time. I don't know. I I, I just like being able to sort of imagine someone, like, working with kind of clay and latex to try and create something that doesn't always look great but is kind of unique and you know just kind of it's a yeah. sort of interesting thing yeah i i feel like i've been shitting on this movie a bit too much but i t- i totally agree with that like there's almost you can almost like a feel an element of like um kids in the woods trying to make a horror movie aspect yeah. to this horror movie yeah and not to downplay the people's efforts because like i think tom savini is one of like the most renowned kind of uh special yeah, effects. Can, like, yeah yeah you yeah. can clearly see that they're having fun yeah doing this wacky film it's it's just kind of like yeah a joy for them to work on it yeah whereas like yeah. It, when you get to sort of the emergence of cgi it becomes a lot cheaper to sort of 
use. And I understand, like, it works in a lot of genres, but I feel like with horror, I don't know. It, I, it loses some of that kind of creativity and, like, that really kind of anarchic kind of experimentation. It feels just a bit too, mm -hmm. cl like, clean and well-produced. And that, that kind of takes something away from the uh, joy of it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, weird. I've just yeah. realized I'm pretty sure Tom Savini was a cameo in like a latest season uh, of The Simpsons. Whoa. Yeah. Really? No, it's just like going back. I'm going to be through line through this episode. Like, yeah. Drawing our this connections. Is in between. the recess. This is in like the recesses of your brain. Your mind space has just come out. What, what is it? Uh, I think he just appears like, um, like he appears as himself, like at the comic book <laughs> shop or something. I don't know. It's been years, and it wasn't. A, I don't. It was part of like when the show started going downhill. So I try not to remember oh, too much. Oh, okay. Stuff. But yeah, like I was just. I just realized that this second. Mm -hmm. Weird. Cool. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, effects. Um, yeah. Yeah. I have to say, I think there is nothing like '80s practical blood. Like there is just something creepy about blood mm. that was made in with by practical effects in the eighties. Like there's just there is something creepy about it. I'm not sure if it's the fact that they used like blow tubes and hoses just to, like do the spurting, or if it's the fact that it, like it's color and viscosity, but like it's just creepy. They, they did something with it that just worked. I don't know what it is, but like yeah, it's not something that a that a lot of like it, again it goes back to that thing about cgi it just you can't capture that without like having something just physically there in the scene no for I, isn't it um so a lot of times fake blood is made with chocolate syrup oh i think it's like the one i've heard is like uh corn syrup and red food dye i think that's like the main one i've heard yeah that shit will that just stains everything red Actually, food dye my brother did like um like for his media project back in I think high school, he did a um he did a trailer and then he had to like create some um fake blood to blow through a tube at one point and I think that's how he did it. I think that like he used that same um mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah back to basics. Yeah, exactly. False perspective, terrible models, it looks great. Um what were your thoughts on the killer as the camera? Did it work for you or did it add to a fever dreamness of the movie or was it just a weird choice in general or was it a good choice i'll stop asking questions <laughs> i think going back to like what we said before um removing the villain from a slash film i think is just a bad choice because there's nothing to project your fear onto so inevitably it just kind of becomes it, it decenters like the monster to a certain extent and instead kind of foregrounds the spectacle of like violence which i don't think actually works like as a to build horror it just kind of gets people to tune out mm -hmm. i don't know it it you need to like i, I don't know like it's just it abs it makes kind of it all abstract and it takes you out of like the fear of the scene yeah um my take on it was that while i was watching it i was thinking okay um the having your main character as the camera is not too dissimilar from writing a story that's second person and in both cases both work better as games full stop except the times when someone does them right <laughs> yeah. 
there only work these times except 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 those other times i'm sure like i'm sure there are films that have done it to great effect but generally it's because they're trying to explore something about maybe the killer or they're trying to like take a new perspective on kind of what they're depicting whereas here it's just they didn't want us to know who the killer was and they expect they approached it like a traditional slash film from that perspective and it I don't know. You could have gone one route or the other, but trying to combine the two, I just didn't think worked. Yeah, and I think just seeing these actors look straight at you with abject fear as they're being chased, like there's just there's something that doesn't totally jive with the experience of viewing. If that makes sense, mm. like there's like there's something when you watch. A movie any other movie there is like a certain stillness and there is a certain um voice that a camera has and that it, it's the voice that you know a, we as viewers have lent key into but um when it's suddenly the killer when the camera is suddenly a very active person it suddenly does not totally make sense yeah it doesn't i don't know it doesn't feel right like no but not like in yeah. a sort of uncomfortable way it just doesn't feel right uh, yeah but like also if you look at like the best kind of like single moment scares and like uh, like across a variety of different genres it's always playing with like what the character knows versus what the audience knows like you mm-hmm. know so that dramatic irony like it's the sort of sudden juxtaposition of an audience of a revelation to the audience with a revelation to the character and that's kind of like how you build tension and that's how you get that payoff. But if you're having a character just stare directly into the camera and then make mm-hmm. scared faces, like there's just none of that sort of dynamic there. So it kind of loses that yeah. tension. Yeah. yeah. Well said. We need to take another break. <laughs> yeah. You've been listening to Do You Like Scary Movies on Radio Futter? And I'm going to leave you with um, I Don't Want to Be an Arsehole Anymore by The Messengers.
be an asshole anymore You're, you're listening to Do You Like Scary Movies on Radio Fodder. So, John, theoretical question. Who is Jason? Or what is Jason? Or maybe more accurately, why is Jason? Well, the why is interesting from, like, a meta perspective. I think, <laughs> from what I understand originally... Um, I know this was. I know this was the case with Halloween. I think it may have been the case with Friday the Thirteenth that each film was sort of meant to be, or was intended to be, like a kind of different take. Like it wasn't always meant to be one sort of story of one guy. It was meant to be a bunch of different sort of stories, and it just so happened that the second one followed Jason. Mm-hmm. But. Ultimately, I think by this point, they probably had seen what movies like the Halloween franchise had been able to achieve by focusing on one villain as their primary antagonist. And it kind of works. Like, it, you keep building up to this, myth, this myth, ah, mythology of a single masked murderer, and again, they sort of don't be, they're sort of not a character anymore because, like, their personality is not really focused on or there they just become like this emblematic kind of symbol for what the film kind of wants to focus on which is the can you know sort of cycle of violence that every single film in this franchise engages in and it kind of works like it it like kind of becomes like almost parody by the end of it but it it makes for a good villain in that respect Mm -hmm. so okay Interesting. Um, to quickly circle back to what we said at the start, where like originally Jason was meant to be um, a young. What 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 did I say? Um, one of the most important con- contributions was transforming the tragic boy into the deformed child of the final movie. Does he? One of the, I guess one thing I'm curious about, like this film has like semi made its foundation on this um i guess part of the jason myth does that stay with the jason myth like does jason shed that identity of him or is like that just something that we just forget about by like the second movie it's not really something that ever gets um it doesn't get like narrative focus it it is definitely an element of the character and like it's an element of the character i personally really kind of despise I, I think I, I can't overstate how much I hate the sort of 
trend in a lot of horror fiction to present physical difference as equatable to being a kind of monster character. Like I, I cannot stand that. Like as a as a trend, and yeah, that to uh you know sort of to one side here. It is odd to me that like as they sort of move further and further away from that and sort of refer back to his backstory more in the abstract. Like, he, they view him through the lens of a child that had a tragedy, kind of, or was involved in a tragedy, and then ultimately has no choice in carrying out violence. He is just carrying out what he thinks his mother's wishes. So they sort of produce Jason as, like, a character without agency, and it's just fulfilling a kind of quest given to him by his mother, which is just to continue a constant cycle of violence. And at that point, they... Again, it is still there, and it is still like an element of films that can't really be removed. But the focus is more on Jason as the main character and sort of his involvement in this quest, kind of. If if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, totally. Like I was, yeah. I'm similar. Like, um, I mean, I'm not totally interested in the question of like, was this a good choice? Was this a bad choice? We know, we know the answer to that. I'm curious in like, it was an awful did, choice in, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm yeah. Do, I'm curious in the fact that like, did that choice stay with the mythology of Jason? Like in our r- random idea of Jason as this radical um, uh, killing machine, does that part? What parts of him stay? What parts of him? A, sh- um, a shed like what parts of the mythology stay so uh, thank you for answering that, that that's was interesting to yeah, know like that's always a part of the character I think it changes in how they react to it across different films because as, as the films go on I think they they try to elicit pathos for Jason as like a tragic child that has like very little control over his actions and it, it sort of works to the extent that like Jason is a far more likable villain than Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. And again, I think a lot of that does stem from the fact that you do see him as like this bullied child that ultimately had no real control over his life, which again, I think is actually pathologizing um, in a different way and is sort of denying him like humanity or agency and rendering him a monster. But they, they do try to approach from a different angle as the films go on. But again, it's, it's just something that should never have been included. Just make him a zombie man. Like that's all you need. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, next question. With this movie, have been better if it was just like a straight comedy like the way Grease is the wacky fever dream of teen high school movies would this have been better if this was the wacky fever dream of camp movies well it's actually interesting they do that in one of the uh, later films like they they make it a sort of outright comedy in a lot of ways and (laughs) I don't remember which one it is but I, I actually remember it being a sort of more fun take like Mm-hmm. The the film the series is always at its best when it isn't taking itself super seriously and it's just being a bit kind of schlocky and dumb. When it's mm-hmm. trying to be serious, it kind of just falls flat because it's not going to deal with any serious topic in a sort of grounded and intelligent way. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like yeah, it's better if they lean into just being this over the top weird film series. Like they sent him into space for God's sake. It's not gonna be answering any interesting social questions. <laughs> cool. Good to know. Okay, I think we'll take a break here and then head into our final discussion. 
you've you've been listening to do you like scary movies on radio fodder i'm gonna leave you with man behind the mask by alice cooper You're listening to Do You Like Scary Movies on Radio Fodder. Time to wrap up wrap up our discussion. John, what are your final thoughts? Uh, I think this is not a great film. Like it, it's, I think 
good to watch if you're interested in horror, the horror genre, but like it's not a it's not a great film. It's honestly pretty boring in a lot of places. And my previous <laughs> my previous rant kind of continues. Like I cannot express like how much I don't like some of the decisions they made narratively here. Mm-hmm. But I think it's uh, the Blade series is a lot more fun and it gets kind of like a lot weirder and a lot sort of more kind of chaotic and that's a good time if you mm-hmm. can you know get yeah. into that. Yeah, mine was that and I feel like it was a bit of a missed opportunity. Opportunity, um, and it might be just me thinking now, but like um, you know, th- the thirteenth Friday the thirteenth is like um, it's the thing where uh, the guy says in the truck is. Uh, it's statistically you get worse luck on this day in this town or and like just in general like friday the 13th is considered the day of statistically bad luck but i think i think the characters like just having them all white and cis and straight it would have been cool to explore statistically increased trauma and violences for pers- people who already experienced that as a threat like you were talking about a day where the mythology of this day you experience more bad luck on this day but would it, i feel like it was a missed opportunity to maybe have included people people who already experience statistically increased violence and statistically increased um mis- misfortune and that would could have been a cool thing i think i think feel like that was just missed that's fair i could yeah mm-hmm. definitely see that yeah um but other than that, it was. I still thought it was a fun fever dream. <laughs> That's fair. Like there again, like the the um mechanics of it are there, and they'll make better movies using kind of like the best parts of this one. So it, it's mm-hmm. good bones that will make a bunch of better yeah. films and a bunch of pretty shit films as well. Yeah. Um. What do you have any recommendations for people around this film? Uh. Yeah. I would. Honestly, recommend checking out some of the later films in the first series. Like, there are just so many that I can't go through all of them, and they honestly blur together a little bit to, for me. I would recommend Jason X, though, because it, it is Jason in space. It's dumb, it's very over the mm-hmm. top, and it's exactly what it says on the tin. Is Jason mm-hmm. going to space? It's, I would yeah. not recommend watching uh, Jason Goes to Hell or Jason Takes Manhattan. Those are both pretty just boring films and kind of do weird things. Um, if you sort of like this genre, which you know, there's a lot of fun to be had there. I'd recommend go watching Halloween, which is something we've kind of cover later. It is a great sort of um early slasher that's made by a very talented director. Um, and I think I've recommended it in the past, but I'd also go check out um Final Girls and the happy death day and freaky franchise like that, those are good films if you just want something a bit more kind of comedic a comedic take on the slash genre mm-hmm. groovy okay final question we've now watched a lot of horror movies at this point and a lot of them have what i'm now terming and probably what has already been termed as the white boy wild card um so john which wild card would you least want to be stuck with in a horror movie and I'm excluding the knowledge that we know Matthew Lillard is, in fact, the killer in one of them. Matthew Lillard is just a crazy wild card. So which one would you least want See, to be? The thing is, 
I think Matthew Lillard would probably be at the top of my list anyway because first of all he's shaggy and second of all <laughs> I at least found his like rantings kind of moderately amusing whereas all the other ones I'm just like no you all kind of annoy me I don't want to be stuck with any of you um I honestly don't know uh the least what's the uh Band of Snatch, Game of Thrones boy from um Midsummer. What's his um actor's name? Oh, um, um, Math, um, Will Will Pollock. Maybe, yeah. I don't want to be stuck um, with him. He seems I yeah. I would loathe that. That would be my nightmare. I much Pollock. rather hang out with Matthew Lillard, even with the knowledge that he would probably attack me at some point. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, you, you know um, what, mine. It's cool. Yeah, Will Poulter is definitely well. Oh, sorry, his character is certainly up on that list. I'm sure he's perfectly nice as a human being, or maybe not. I have um, no clue, but he's he's a good actor. Yeah. I'll say that he's played that character yeah. well, and as a result, he's insufferable in that film. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I would feel I would want to steer clear of Matthew Lillard, even without knowing that he is. He like he might be the murderer, or just excluding the fact that he is the murderer. I feel like that is some uncontainable um wild card wild card energy, and I do not want to be around that. To <laughs> be honest, I don't really want to be around any of them. They're all kind of insufferable <laughs> in their own way. And I say that as someone again, I have goodwill towards Matthew Lillard because he is shaggy. That that's the main reason there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, no. <laughs> Um, is that, oh, is that the end of the show? Is I think the end so. of the show? Yeah. It's time to end the show. Well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Um, you've been listening to Do You Like Scary Movies on Radio Fodder. Our show producer and host is me, Lockie Healy. Um, our speaking host and DJ is John, and who is also wait, I already said host. And our social media manager is Amy Kamen. Um, you can catch new episodes every Thursday at 5 p.m. on Radio Fodder, and you can catch um, past episodes on Miss Cloud. I will also put out a disclaimer right now that currently the website is experiencing some uh, renovations. So you can find um, live episodes on our airtime, Radio Fodder on airtime. Uh, you can follow the show on Instagram and Facebook under Do You Like Scary Movies? And you can follow me on Instagram as well under lock underscore laneway. And see you at the next screaming. Wow. Tagline. <laughs>